Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We normally would have done perhaps the communion by now, but we're going to do it in just a, a moment because I believe that God is wanting us to understand things about how he wants to heal us today. And so we're going to have a time of prayer for healing, but it's not going to be people coming up to be prayed for. It's going to be people where they're sitting, receiving from heaven. And so we're going to be looking at um, the text, of course, where Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper. We're going to be looking at actually what Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. We'll get there just a moment. So it was the very last Passover Jesus spent with his disciples. Uh, we're probably very familiar with the story, but he's celebrating the last Passover meal, which was the Jewish uh, meal celebrating their emancipation as being slaves in Egypt, and it was a powerful um, time for them to always remember, and it's all about their identity in being God's people. And, and so Jesus, on the same night, said, this is the new covenant now. That old covenant has ceased, and we're now living in the time of the new covenant, of a new exodus. Israel was slaves. This God predicted 400 years before to Abraham, and God knew he was going to release them, and they were going to be his people. But now the new exodus, all those bound by sin and death. And amen, God is still exodizing, that's the right word to say, but still, amen, releasing people from that bondage. And this meal is our celebration of that. And Jesus gave no stipulation. Israel had to, they they were asked to celebrate the Passover once a year. But uh, we are giving no such instruction. As, but all Jesus said was, as often as you do it, make sure it's in remembrance of me. And that's what we're doing this morning. Amen. And I believe it's, it speaks of many things that we need to be reminded on. You know, there's not many sacraments in the Christian faith, and this is one of the main ones. And we need to be reminded, we need to know the basis of how we receive from God and the basis of our relationship with him. Because God is a covenant God. We see that throughout the word of God. And, and we, it's important that we understand how this covenant works, this covenant relationship. Because God is very serious about covenant. And he has totally pledged himself to fulfilling his side of the covenant. He is promised. He is sworn by himself, the scripture says. And yet if we're ignorant of this covenant and how we can receive, we can actually be missing a lot of good things that the Lord has for us as his people. And one of the specific areas I want to focus on is is in the area of physical healing. Because there is a covenant relationship that God has bound himself to of being our health. And I want us to be open to that this morning because... I believe God wants us all healed. I believe it's available and provided for. And it's just a matter of understanding how to receive to benefit from that. 
So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, this is Paul, and he says, For I have received from the Lord that which also I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Everyone should have the... uh, the juice and the bread. We'll have that in just a moment. But if you haven't got one, you can just maybe put your hand and somebody will direct you to one. Or I'll give one to you. Thank you. We won't do it just yet. We'll do it together in just a moment. What's interesting about this passage, and I'm not going to delve too deeply in it, but Paul is giving instruction to the Corinthian church, which was a very... Uh, Church um, excited and um, hungry for spiritual gifts and spiritual things. In fact, he commends them for being, out of all the churches, the most abundant in the gifts, which is tremendous. But they were a little bit of a ragtag bunch as well. And they kind of did things, you know, a little bit wildly. And he had to bring some instruction. And, and so he's bringing instruction with this particular aspect of, of their gathering together when they would eat bread and, and break bread and, and drink wine, or the communion uh, celebration. And he's saying, listen, you know, some of you actually are sick. He's saying some of you are actually, you know, very poorly, and even some of you have died unnecessarily early. And this is really quite a challenging portion of Scripture to consider because... You know, it all seems to be revolved around this Lord's meal and how they understood it and how they participated of it. I don't believe it's like, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones movie, you know, where they open the Ark and an angel of death you know, kills everyone. I don't believe, because we can get a bit afraid about this, but I believe it's more because he says not discerning the Lord's body. There is a knowledge that God wants us to know about what this means. And, and sometimes we can be a little ignorant of that knowledge and therefore we're not receiving the good that God has for us. Because God wants us to receive. He wants us as dear children to be blessed with the blessings he's provided for. Because the scripture says that the new covenant is founded on better promises than the old. Now, the old was pretty good, actually, um, when you consider the blessings that God had spoken to them. And it says the new covenant is even better than that. It says in Hebrews uh, 8.5, But now he has opened a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Amen. The Bible says that when, Egypt, uh, when Israel came out of Egypt, they celebrated the Passover meal. 
And this was the beginning of them being the people of God. They were ignorant, really, of a lot of things about God. They didn't really understand who the Lord was. They just had heard about him uh, through their ancestor Abraham. But they weren't worshippers of God at that time. Because God had to deal with them about you know, the idols that they had embraced while being slaves in Egypt. So they didn't know much at all about God. But what they did know, the first thing they knew was this, this, this meal called the Passover. And they just followed the instructions that Moses gave them. He said, listen, guys, take a lamb, keep it inside your home for a period of time. Then at the, then at the, the appointed night, you need to slaughter that lamb. Uh, you need to roast it, the whole lamb, and eat everything. And whatever you don't eat, you need to burn. Make sure you get rid of it. And with the blood that you've, that's been drained from the lamb, you need to put on the lintel. And the doorposts of the house where you live. Because there's an angel of death that's coming. And when he sees the blood, he'll just pass on. And we know in that story that the Egyptians' houses, there was not a firstborn that was not killed. Of everything, of livestock, of people. And there was a great outcry in Egypt. But none of the houses of Israel was touched. And this was their very beginning, and they left on that basis. And the scripture says that not one of them was feeble among them. It even says that the sandals on their feet did not wear out the whole journey in the wilderness, nor did their their clothes wear out. So this was a supernatural blessing that that came upon them, and they understood it's it's linked to that, that, that sacrifice, that they were in mercy. Um, I have a picture of that. I don't know if it's been shown already, but of, of the doorpost. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a curious thing. Uh, the word there is a Hebrew word used over and over in the Old Testament, chesed, which is the word loving kindness, mercy. This is a prominent word in the Old Testament, God's chesed love, his loyal love, his faithful love. And this is what Israel understood about the Lord, that he was loyal in loving kindness to his people. And it came off the back of a life that was slaughtered being a lamb. And we know this is prophetic of the time in which Jesus came into the world and John the Baptist looked up and saw him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is no coincidence. And God wants to pledge his loyal love to his people. King David knew this very well. This is why I believe David is regarded as a man after God's own heart. Because he believed in God's chesed love. He knew God was merciful and kind. Even when he messed up big time, he still believed in his merciful love. And he received it. See, what angers God more than anything else is when we don't believe in his merciful love. He was angry with the Pharisees because they they saw his merciful love demonstrated in healing people. And they were infuriated because it didn't fit with their theology. They missed the whole thing. God's merciful love. And he, he was so angry because they were closed and did not believe that God was that good to heal.
Israel had done nothing to deserve God choosing them. It wasn't because, you know, they were a, a powerful people. In fact, they said they were like one of the least of all the nations at the time. In fact, the Bible says in Deuteronomy that it, it says, don't think it's because you're, you're, you're upright. Don't think because, you know, you're such a cool people that I've chosen you. He said, no, no, that's not, not at all the basis. He says, because I made a promise to Abraham. That's why I've chosen you. And also because I'm going to use you to destroy those pagan people that are for, for generations are being idolatrous and doing all kind of demonic forms of, of uh, ritual. But it's not because you're upright. It's not because anything about you, and, and this, this is really similar today, us as believers. We are believers not because we're, we're such a good person. You know, God, oh, I've just got to have you in my kingdom. Wow, look at you. <laughs> wow, I'm just so impressed. Not at all. No, it's because you believe. God says, because you believe that Jesus I gave to you, my loyal love is, is given to you. You are my child. And this is our sole basis of receiving from God. It always was and it always will be. And we must be reminded of that. It's not because of what we do. It's not because of how well we perform today that God's going to answer our prayers. It's because of his covenant love. It was called Chesed in the Old Testament. In the New, it's called Charis which is grace. Someone said that mercy is not God not giving us what we deserve and grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Just think about that for a moment, you'll get it. Because God loves to pledge his loyal love. And our part is to simply believe. Because it's not of works. Scripture, you know, the biggest problem for the church over history and, and certainly in the early days of the church was not because of, you know, the, you know, the, the sins of the society that they were in. Yes, that can be problematic, but it was more to do with their concept of what pleases God. It's more to do with what the, how they felt they would receive from God. He said to the Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians. Why do you think that you have to work to receive? And they were slipping back. In fact, he called them, you are in danger of being accursed from Christ. That is very strong language. He never said that to the Corinthians, who had some, <laughs> some moral, moral issues. But because they were trusting in themselves, in what they could do. And as Christians, we need to be reminded of this covenant love because we can be in danger of thinking we have to do to receive. Especially when we feel a lack in our life. What's our instant thought? I need to do better. And the enemy knows this too. And of course, he's pointing the finger. He's the accuser of the brethren. So at daily, he's saying, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. See how you treat that person? Oh, you're a real Christian, aren't you? And he gets us to feel like this inadequacy about our, our standing with God and, and to tempt us that we have to do something to prove that we are his child. 
And if we get down that route, it's very hard to receive from God because God cannot bless a wrong concept. Because God is a God of truth. The Bible says that God's covenant love works through mercy and truth. So if we're off base with truth, we're actually preventing that mercy from being our experience. I mentioned last week about the the father who came to Jesus and the disciples couldn't see the, the son set free and Jesus says, because of your unbelief. Well, that word probably better is translated as misbelief because they had belief. They weren't atheists. They weren't like non-believers. They had belief, but their, their belief was, was miss. It was misbelief and they weren't believing as they should have done. Or as they, according to truth. And that's why they experience a power failure. Galatians 3, I'm going to read that verse 2 to 3. This I only want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Because if we, if we try and work to please God, we're doing it in the flesh. Because the law was given to reveal man's flesh, to, to expose to him that in himself, naturally, is not a good thing. Because we can get deceived about that. And that's why the Bible says he gave the law. The whole of the law was given to show man you lost. <laughs> you can't do it. You need mercy. That's why God gave the law, because because we tend to very easily default to ourselves. Well, I can be righteous. And we can even take that into Christianity in church, and we think, oh, it's because of what I do. I pray so much. I do this, I do that. And we're trusting in that more than simply in what Jesus has done. He's done it all. He says it's finished. And this is why we must take communion to remind ourselves and to revisit that place of simple childlike acceptance. God, you have done it. I I didn't deserve it. But because you love me this much, I can receive from you today. And I simply believe. God, I believe. Your believing is your response. Not even your believing is a work. It's just your response to what he's done for you. I, I believe it. Okay. Thank you, God. Boom. He moves fresh in your life. And this is what, it, like I said, the devil works hard because he, he tries to get us into works because he knows it can be a blockage to us receiving from heaven. You know, Jarius comes to Jesus desperate. His daughter was very, very sick. Well, she actually ended up dying when he was out to find Jesus. And Jesus agrees to go with him, and, and on the way, messages are sent. Say, listen, don't, don't bother him. He's, she's dead. Sorry, Jairus. And, you know, upon hearing that news, Jesus immediately responds and says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. And your daughter will live. I'm sure in Jairus' mind, there's all kinds of turmoil. Because we have to deal with the natural knowledge we receive. 
especially in the arena of sickness, we, we have a doctor's report. It's natural knowledge. I'm not against that at all, but it's natural knowledge. And they say, this and this about you. Or you have a symptom in your body. And, and you know, our minds can work overtime. And we're, we're worried about it. And we think, oh, what is, what is happening? It's natural knowledge. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. And you'll be well. Only believe. That's all we are called to do as believers. That's why we're called believers. Amen. And that word only believe, the word only actually means singularly. It means just this one thing do. Because we believe, but we add other stuff to it. That kind of negates the believing. That's what, that's why the disciples do. They couldn't heal the boy because they were adding other things that weren't, which is misbelieving with their believing. <laughs> if you can follow. He's a singularly believe. And you'll see what you've been asking for. Because God's truth is higher than earthly reality. This is what faith is able to comprehend. And we need the Holy Spirit to quicken this truth and remind us of this truth. And as we simply believe it, not believe it and have to do things, but believe it and we receive it. Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't he say, if you say to this mountain, be be removed and cast into the sea and believe and not doubt, it shall be as you say. He said, if you, when you pray, believe that you've received. And it's yours. It's only believing. And I know there's this battle intention of faith, but it's not because, let's not think it's because God is holding back. Let's not think if we've been praying for something and it hasn't happened, it's because God, if it's something that's clearly revealed in the word, it's not because God is holding back. And we, we create this, this, these wrong theological ideas about God because we're basing it on our experience and not on the truth. Well, God didn't hear my prayer, therefore God doesn't answer every prayer, we might conclude. Or, I wasn't healed when I was prayerful, therefore God doesn't heal every time. And we have these ideas and we're adding something to what Scripture says because we're basing it on our own experience. One thing God showed me, you know, not, not so long ago in, in coming to Kings, is he, he spoke to me and he says, don't be blinded by, by people's experience. I'm a, I'm a people, I like to please people, you know. I don't like to, you know, rub people up the wrong way. And, uh, and that's a weakness, you could say. It could be a strength on the other hand, but... It's not allowing people's experience to determine what I believe. But rather, he, then he showed me a candle, and it was burning. And that candle represented my, my, my prayer, my relationship with him. And that's what we have to live out of. Not what people are saying to us. Not what anything. It's like your relationship with God. And that's what God wants you to foster in your life. And from that basis, you will receive. 
We don't believe through somebody else's faith. And that's why when we're going to pray for people that are sick, um, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be something very small, something that's been going on, just you've learned to live with it perhaps, and, you know, it's not fatal, but it can go. I remember a time, silly really, I had this wart on my finger, and um, it was just annoying me, you know. It's just like, I was very self-conscious about it. You know, you give someone money and there's what staring them in the face, you know, like, I don't want it. So I, I, I cut it out, you know, grew back even bigger, um, dug it out many times. It would just get bigger and bigger, you know, this is terrible. And um, I don't know, it's just funny. I was, Claire was, <laughs> this is very early on. I think David, our first son, was, was just a baby. And uh, I said, I've had enough. <laughs> I said, this is going to go, you know. I said, right, you put your finger on it, and I'm going to put my finger on it, and we're going to command that thing to go. And there was something in me. It was like an indignation. I said, and I said, you, what? You go. And within two days, it was gone. I mean, I know, a big deal. It's a small thing. I can live with it. It's not fatal, you know. But it, it just showed me something, that sometimes we just got to get like that, a bit of indignation. No, I don't have to live with this. I don't have to put up with this anymore. And, and we say no, because God has said. And, and we hold to that. And we say, God, I just simply believe. Because it's in that believing, regardless of what we're seeing. See, we, we, we live, oftentimes we, we believe if we see, but that's never the case. We believe and we'll, then we will see. So we, we believe before we see any change, anything happen. We're in a place of belief. So you know what? God, you said it. Didn't it say in Scripture that Jesus, surely he has carried our pains and borne our sicknesses. Isn't that Scripture? We believe the bit about, you know, he paid for our iniquity. No problem. When did he do that? 2,000 odd years ago, wasn't it? That's when he saved you, when he rose again. And you receive that when you believe. It's real time. But he did that. It's the same with healing. He did it when he was whipped at the post. It says in scripture, by his wounds you were healed. So that's when he healed you. How can that be? Well, it's in the spirit. Where God dwells, it's eternity. There is no time. And so by believing, we simply draw into that and receive. It's already done. You're not asking God to do something. Because sometimes we pray, oh God, I pray that you do such and such. Well, I've done it. I've already done that. I've given it to you. It's yours. And this is something God showed me when I was in Bury St. Edmunds. It was a... God told me, I was going for a walk, I like to walk and pray sometimes, and he said, turn left up, up the path up ahead. And I was like, you know, what's this then, you know? Turn left, what am I going to see, you know? And so I turned left into this farmer's field, and there was nothing much there, but he said, keep going. And I see this, this um, pheasant feeder. I don't know those who've been in the countryside, the farmers like to fatten the pheasants up, you know, to kill them <laughs> and eat them. But there's this pheasant feeder that has grain stored, and, and it just releases the grain every time it's, you know, they eat. And, of course, then God immediately spoke to me, and he said, you know, I've laid on for my people 
abundant blessing. I've provided it already. It's, it's, it's here. But there are pheasants that don't know about this feeder. They're ignorant of it. And they're scratching around, you know, trying to, trying to survive and get the food they need. But there are other pheasants who know this is here. And they come whenever they want and get a full meal without much effort at all. And he used that to show me and challenge my heart, my believing. Because like many, I was in the same sort of attitude of, well, if I haven't received it, then it's something that God's got to do. Rather than, God, you've done it. I just need to receive it. And I want us to pray that way this morning. And so who is here that you have a need of physical healing? doesn't matter what it is. It could be to do with your, your sight. Okay? Just put your hand up. Okay, because I know of any group of people, there's going to be a whole bunch, okay? It doesn't matter what it is, okay? Right, those, just keep those hands up, because I want people around you to just look, because you, you're going to minister the healing, okay? So if you are next to someone, I want you, if you haven't got your hands raised, I want you to pray for the person sitting next to you, okay? All, all identify someone, Yeah? I'll tell you what to do in a minute, yeah? So we've got two here. We need a couple here. Um, no, we've got three here. Right, we've got quite a few. All right, what you might have to do <laughs> is pray for each other. Okay, you pray. So you, you go first and then I'll go, all right? But the main thing is you're praying for everyone's going to be prayed for by those around them, okay? You can put the hands down. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is not, you're not putting your faith in the prayer, because okay, often we do that as well, you know. We screw our faces up and, <laughs> if I, you know, concentrate so much. <laughs> no, Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus just told it what, what he wanted to see happen, didn't he? He said, ears be open or eyes see. Um, so we're not even praying to God. Because I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Certainly not from Jesus. And neither did he tell his disciples to do that. In fact, he didn't say, go into all the world and pray for the sick. We use that because it helps people understand what we're about to do. He didn't. He said, heal the sick. And they knew what that meant. And because they, they, they were demonstrated to them by Jesus and he just healed the sick. So he didn't even, even pray. So, oh God, I pray that you... I'm not saying it's wrong to pray, but the actual ministering of healing comes through commanding something to change. Okay? So I want you to simply do this. So the prayer is only going to last for maybe 30 seconds. If it's any longer than that, then you get into works, all right? <laughs> so, so I want you to do that. So just around you now, ask them quickly what it is. What, what is it? If you say, I've got pain in my side, i got this problem, don't have to give them the whole history. Just ask them what it is, and then... The person pray, you just tell it what you want to do. Say, pain, go, in Jesus' name. Or, you know, if it's a lung issue, lung, be restored in Jesus' name. Just simply command it what you want to see happen. Let's just give it 30 seconds and then we'll ask. Right, that's probably about enough time. Everyone being prayed for? Oh, not prayed for. Everyone being spoken to? 
Yeah? Any change? Anyone who, you got an immediate change in your body. Whether there's pain and it's gone. Some of you don't have pain. It could be a, a recurrent issue that you need to check. So that'd be a bit more difficult to tell. But anyone, you've had immediate relief of pain. If that's you, lift your hand. You've had an immediate relief. Anyone? Okay. Immediate relief of pain. Like the, the pain is gone. Okay, that's fine. I know not everyone has. Does anyone have pain right now? Okay, we've got a few here. Right, okay. So two. So those around them, command that pain to go. All right? Don't ask God to take the pain away. You command the pain to go. Because you are a believer. All right? Just simply say, pain go in Jesus' name. Okay. Right, how is that now, Noki? Where's the pain? Where was it? In your neck? Okay, and it feels better? Okay, thank the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? And the thing is, 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 is you, you don't give up. You don't think, oh, well, you know, it's not happening. No, you keep hitting it. I remember Evangelist showed me this some time ago, and he, he just kept going. He said, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. And he kept hitting it, and eventually it would change, because he knew that God had provided for it. In fact, Jesus has, has healed everyone when he went to the whipping post, non-believers alike. That's why we can pray for non-believers and see them healed, because it's already been paid for. And it's like a, a full gift. And it oftentimes can help lead them to Christ. And so, yeah, pray again. Hit it again. And keep hitting it. And just in your heart, say, I know it's been provided. I know it's God's to give. It's not on God whether I get healed or not. That's what we've got to get out of our heads. It's not on God. He said, I've done it. You receive it. So therefore... The adjustment needs to be made on our behalf. Sometimes it's just a matter of persevering. Even Jesus himself, on a few occasions, or certainly the man who was blind, he had to pray twice. He had to command it twice. He said, uh, ministered healing. He said, what, what do you see? I see men. They're like walking around like trees. It wasn't, their eyes weren't quite better. And so he did it again. And sometimes the scripture says in that hour they were healed. doesn't mean they were healed immediately. Or as they went, they were healed. So how it happens is we don't have necessary control over that. But what we can determine is like, okay, it's been given. I'm going to release that into your life. Amen. Let's, let's all stand. I'd like the worship team to come. And we're going to take the communion. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.